What is up guys, it is Quinn here, and in this video, I'm gonna be running through my top waiver wire targets heading into week six of the NFL season. I'm sure you guys know the drill by now, going through five players at every position. Sometimes, you know, maybe one or two less, one or two more, but trying to pick five guys at each position. These are gonna be guys who are available in 50% or more leagues. I'm using the ESPN waiver wire to get those numbers. And then while you guys are watching, if you do enjoy the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. It really does help me out a ton. And then in return, if you guys have any questions, you can drop those down below and I'll make sure to respond to every single person. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into the running back position. And I think another really solid week of uh, running back waiver wire targets, but we have to start it off here with Kenneth Walker. So I think between week uh, four and week five, Kenneth Walker actually dipped below that 50% threshold. So he is only owned in 47.7% of leagues, which means he qualifies for this video and he has got to be the number one pickup. I mean, overall, like over all the positions, Kenneth Walker has to be the number one guy if he is on your waiver wire. Very unfortunate news out of Seattle. We found out Rashad Penny suffered a fractured tibia. So for the foreseeable future, Kenneth Walker is going to be the number one there. And this isn't just a situation where it's like some random backup steps in to be the number one. Like Kenneth Walker was a very highly touted running back prospect in his rookie season. So I think there's a lot of things to be excited about here for Kenneth Walker. And this may sound crazy to, you know, kind of say because he is the backup, but I think Kenneth Walker as the starter is more valuable than what Rashad Penny was as a starter. Because with Penny as the starter, you had Kenneth Walker behind him. There's no, you know, Kenneth Walker light player behind Kenneth Walker now. He's the guy. I think he can actually put together an even bigger workload than Rashad Penny had. He also made an immediate impact right when he came in. Penny leaves. Walker in the fourth quarter breaks off a 69-yard rushing touchdown. So I think Walker's going to be a really solid start moving forward and someone who needs to be picked up if he is on waivers. The next running back we're looking at here who may have some week six value is Eno Benjamin. So he is owned in 6.8% of leagues. And up until this week, he had kind of just been a guy who's filling in here and there, getting a few carries, getting a few targets, but hadn't really established a super solid role. And honestly, we didn't even know if he would be like the handcuff to James Conner because Daryl Williams was also pretty involved there. Unfortunately for James Conner, he's been pretty banged up, you know, throughout the season. He left the game with a rib injury. And then we also saw the other backup, Daryl Williams, who I just mentioned, he also suffered a knee injury. So at this point in time, it is possible that Eno Benjamin could be the starting running back next week for the Cardinals. If that was the case, he would definitely be startable. And even if he's not in line to start, I still think Eno Benjamin can give you some, you know, handcuff value. Obviously, if we knew Connor was playing in uh, week six, then I would definitely bump Eno Benjamin down the pecking order here because I do think there are some better handcuffs. Like a guy like Rashad White, who was owned in only 23.9% of leagues, I think Rashad White may be the most valuable handcuff in the entire NFL. Obviously, he is handcuffed to Leonard Fournette. And, you know, through the first three weeks, I still thought Rashad White was arguably the best handcuff. And that was with him basically getting no playing time. Over the last two weeks, he has seen a significant increase in his role. Now, it's nothing crazy. You know, I'm not going to be throwing Rashad White into my lineup heading into week six, but he's getting opportunities. And he's actually playing pretty well, you know, when he does get his name called. He had five carries, four targets in this past game. Brady has been peppering the running backs with targets. Leonard Fournette was a receiving monster. We know Rashad White is a super solid pass catcher. So if something did happen to Leonard Fournette, 
I think Rashad White steps up, and I think he would be a locked-in top 12 running back You know, if Leonard Fournette was out of the lineup. So he's a guy that you just need to go out, get him on your team now, because when Fournette goes down, uh, Rashad White's going to be the number one pickup, and he's either going to go to whoever has the number one priority, or he's going to go to someone who's just going to unload all their fab on him. I think it's better to just pick him up now. And then, you know, you have him there if Leonard Fournette does get injured. I'm sure he's going to be better than whatever like wide receiver six you have sitting on your bench right now. And now we're going to move it over to Brian Robinson, who finally made his return, owned in 44.4% of leagues. First off, just great to see him back, you know, after recovering from those gunshot wounds. I don't know if you guys saw the video of him uh, coming out of the tunnel. That was probably one of the coolest videos I've seen of like a uh, walkout to an NFL field. Now, he didn't do anything crazy, you know, nothing notable fantasy-wise in this game, but he did lead the team in carries with nine. Gibson was uh, number two on that roster with three. I think in general, just kind of looking at this commander's backfield, I think it's going to be a gross committee. However, I do think Brian Robinson does have room to grow on his role because reports did come out that he was kind of on a snap count. So he was a little limited in terms of how many snaps he could play. And on that snap count, he still tripled up Antonio Gibson's carries. I think this probably means more for Gibson in the sense that he goes from like a borderline top 24 guy to just being totally unstartable. And this could be a really gross three-headed committee. I still think the guy leading that team in uh, carries needs to be owned. That guy is Brian Robinson. And then if an injury happens to McKissick, to Gibson, then it opens up all these new possibilities. But Brian Robinson, even in a down debut, still needs to be rostered in over 50% of leagues. And then the final running back here, basically making his weekly appearance, it's Alexander Madison, owned in 43% of leagues. He is Dalvin Cook's handcuff. I think he's probably right up there with Rashad White in terms of being one of the most valuable handcuffs in the NFL. And he's also seeing you know, some work week to week. We saw him score a touchdown in week four. He comes out, gets nine carries, four targets behind Cook here in week five. So someone who should also be owned because his value is going to skyrocket if Delvin Cook does go down. And we know uh, Delvin Cook does have a history of shoulder injuries. So, you know, just kind of opens up the possibility even more for Alexander Madison to get some playing time. But now we're going to shift over to the wide receiver position. And we're going to start it off with rookie wide receiver Alec Pierce making his debut on the uh, waiver wire video. He is owned in under 10% of leagues, so it's very likely that he's going to be out there on the waiver wire. I'm sure you guys have heard this from me before. The way I approach rookie wide receivers, I'm aggressive with drafting them, but I'm even more aggressive in picking them up off of waivers. When a rookie wide receiver shows me that they are talented and shows me they can produce, I will listen, I will go up, I will pick that player. I'm not going to let them sit around on waivers. I'm going to capitalize because we know these rookies have some crazy upside. And in terms of being waiver wire pickups, I think these breakout rookies probably have the highest ceilings, you know, of any waiver wire players you're going to find because these veterans, we know what we're getting out of them. For rookies, they have this untapped potential. And I'm going to touch back on that point with a few more wide receivers uh, here on the waiver wire video. But to focus in on Alec Pierce, In the Thursday night game, we saw him targeted nine times, caught eight of those for 81 yards. And this wasn't like a cheap eight for 81. Like if you guys were watching that Thursday night game, even though it was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen, Alec Pierce shined. He had some tough catches, made some nice plays. And I actually think he could be in line to jump Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell has done basically nothing in terms of production. He's basically just out there doing cardio, but he's been the clear cut wide receiver too in terms of snaps, obviously behind Michael Pittman. If Alec Pierce can continue to build on his performances 
and take over that number two role. I do think he's someone who could be like sneaky flex option later on in the season, but he's just someone I want to have on my roster in case he is the real deal. Now we're going to shift over to Isaiah McKenzie, who makes this video owned in only 26.3% of leagues, and he didn't even play in week five. He was out with a concussion, but the reason why he is on here is because this would have been the week for Isaiah McKenzie to pop. Jamison Crowder out with a broken ankle. That was the guy where McKenzie and Crowder were splitting that slot roll basically 50-50. So he was the guy that was, you know, holding McKenzie back. In the first game that Crowder misses, McKenzie's out. We see Khalil Shakir come in and play that role. He runs 28 routes. That's within five routes of both Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. So basically getting like a full-time starter's workload. He catches three passes for 75 yards and a touchdown. It is possible that McKenzie returns and could have a full-time role in the slot. Now, I'll also acknowledge that it's possible that Clear Shakir has played well enough that now it's just another gross 50-50 between McKenzie and Shakir, but I do think he's worth rostering because if he can get that slot role and is like dominated, he owns that slot, he could be a very viable fantasy start on a week-to-week basis. I mean, the dude is averaging 12.2 PPR points per game, basically playing 50% of the snaps. If you're putting him at 70, 80, 85, He's definitely someone to look out for. I talked about how I'd be checking back in on these rookie wide receivers. The third player I have here is Jamison Williams. He is only owned in 22.2% of leagues, and I may be getting ahead of myself here. You know, his return is not expected to be soon. We're probably looking mid-season, maybe even later on in the season, like past mid-season. But I think that once he gets on the field and makes his debut, I think he has instant upside on this Lions offense. I think just looking at talent-wise, a healthy Jamison Williams is the clear-cut wide receiver, too, on this team. Josh Reynolds has been solid. I'm going to talk about him in a second. DJ Chark has had a decent career. If Jamison Williams is healthy, he will be the number two there behind Amon Ra. So he's someone that you can just toss right on your IR. He can just sit there. You don't have to worry about him. If you're like a winning roster, just throw him on there. And he's someone who could give you some value later on in the season. I just mentioned Josh Reynolds. He's also going to come in on this waiver wire video owned in 23.7% of leagues. You know, he's had some really impressive performances over the last three weeks, commanded 28 targets over that stretch, averaging 17.3 points per game in those last three games. The thing here with Josh Reynolds is I kept kind of just writing him off like, oh, you know, fluke game here, players out here. The thing is at the NFL level, if you're producing, especially with some sort of consistency, you got to give the player his props. So Josh Reynolds has produced obviously 17.3 points per game in a three-game stretch. That is tough to do. Now, is he someone I want to be throwing into my lineup in week six? Probably not, but in deeper leagues, he's definitely rosterable. And, you know, maybe he's kind of turning a corner in his career, turning into someone you can rely on. We'll have to wait and see, but definitely someone who at least deserves a shout out here. And then the final player, it's going to be Wondell Robinson, owned in 6.3% of leagues. And, you know, Rondell Robinson really hasn't done anything to get on this list. He played like a few snaps in week one, got injured, and he has been out ever since dealing with that knee injury. But I think he's someone where in deeper leagues or maybe just like a 12, 14 team league where your waiver wire is pretty sharp and there's like no one available. I think he's someone just to kind of roster on the back end of your bench because he does have a decent amount of upside if he does return or when he does return. Hopefully it's within the next few weeks. And it really just comes down to this Giants wide receiver room. It is gross. It is disgusting. Their options are not good. We see Sterling Shepard go down out for the season. Galladay's been terrible. He's been injured. 
Kadarius Tony, they just hate his guts and he's injured. So you're looking at like Richie James, Darius Slayton, someone else slotted in and had a ton of snaps today. I forgot the name of them, but you know, not someone that you actually want to trust or is even like a very good NFL wide receiver. Wanda Robinson, second round pick. He's going to be a rookie or he is a rookie right now. The Giants are desperate for a difference maker at the wide receiver position. So I think once he's healthy, they're going to give him that opportunity. Now, you know, maybe he takes it and runs with it. Maybe he kind of falls flat on his face. I just want him on my roster before he does, you know, or if he does break out this season, because I do think he's someone who could be an interesting option down the stretch. Now, moving over to the quarterback position at the top, I said, I try to talk about five players at each position. The quarterback position on uh, the waiver wire is pretty rough right now. So I've got two guys here. The first one is Geno Smith, and I don't think he's going to be available after this week. Owned in only 32.2% of leagues. I imagine that's going to jump up over 50. And just straight up, like Geno Smith has looked legitimately good. Not just like, oh, he's a potential streamer here. Like real life NFL quarterback, the dude has looked like a stud. And he has put together three straight really strong fantasy football performances. 18.9 points, 31.7 points, and then 24 points this past week. Over that stretch, he's averaging 304 passing yards per game with eight total touchdowns and only one turnover. I think he's startable moving forward. He's getting the ball to Lockett. He's getting the ball to DK Metcalf. So not only is he producing personally, but he's also like giving the fantasy production to the guys that we actually want. You know, we want DK Metcalf scoring. We want Tyler Lockett scoring. We don't need any more Will Disley touchdowns. We want those touches focused on Metcalf, Lockett, Kenneth Walker now that Rashad Penny's out. You know, Rashad Penny was getting opportunities on the ground. So Geno Smith has done some really solid things and is probably going to be like the best uh, quarterback streamer if he is on your waivers. Another guy who actually just dipped below 50% is Carson Wentz, who is owned in 47.7% of leagues. Had a bounce back performance after, you know, a rough back-to-back weeks. He started off crazy hot and then, you know, struggled in week three, struggled in week four. So far, he's been a very boomer bust player. He has three games over 21 points and then two games under nine. It's tough to find consistency at the quarterback position, especially for streamers. So if your quarterback's injured on bye, whatever it is, if you're throwing in Carson Wentz, you know, I think you could have a worse option at quarterback. Now, moving over to the tight end position, we're going to be focusing in on three guys. And it's only right that Taysom Hill starts us off here, owned in only 11.4% of leagues. And he essentially broke fantasy, especially basically broke the tight end position. I believe he is currently the tight end three in points per game, basically off of one game. And he did that with a 30% snap share. It's really crazy what uh, Taysom Hill's doing. He's not even a tight end, but he's giving you that designation. On nine carries, he turns it into 112 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, and then also adds a passing touchdown through the air. Obviously, this is not repeatable, but I do think he's a viable start moving forward. Now, I'm going to talk about him in my sell high video. I don't think he's one of these guys where you're like, all right, I feel so confident throwing him in at my tight end spot. He's going to be like a top 10, top eight guy. I think he's going to be more of a fringe starting option because obviously he's not going to be putting up these numbers consistently. He's not going to be giving you consistent overall yardage. So you're kind of just banking on the touchdowns here. But, you know, there are worse options than Taysom Hill at tight end. So if he is on waivers, I'd pick him up. I'd honestly look to try to move him to uh, see if you can sell high on him. But if not, you just want to hold on, plug him in as a start. Can't blame you there. The second tight end is going to be Hayden Hurst here, who is owned in only 24.2% of leagues, coming off of a really nice Sunday night performance. Targeted seven times, caught six of them for 53 yards and a touchdown. 
a guy who's going to give you weekly touchdown upside on a solid passing attack, and then also added a uh, you know a nice game of overall receiving volume here. So a nice streaming option, and is probably going to be picked up in close to 50% of leagues after this week. Then we have Evan Ingram, the final tight end, owned in 20.2% of leagues. And he's a guy where in the tight end start sit video, and even the waiver wire video, every week I'm talking about how his route participation is really good. You know, he's got a better route participation than a lot of these other fringe options. He just hadn't been converting it into production. He kind of did that this week. He had an 82% route participation, targeted 10 times, caught six of them for 69 yards. Honestly, six for 69 I'm taking that in my tight end slot all day long, especially from a streaming option. So Evan Ingram is going to be the final tight end. And then we've got another strong week of uh, streaming defenses. We're going to start it off here with the Rams owned in 47.4% of leagues. They go up against the Panthers. Hearing some rumors that Matt Rule may be fired by the time you're watching this tomorrow morning. Maybe he's not even there. But this offense is going to be bad regardless. I don't think they're going to turn it around just based on a new head coach within one week. We know the Rams defense is solid going up against the bad offense. That's a recipe for a big game from the Rams defense. Then we've got the Bengals who are owned in 27.1% of leagues. They are going up against the Saints. Now I know the Saints just came off of a very explosive offensive performance. Just talked about Taysom Hill's four touchdowns. Overall, I don't think this is a great Saints offense. They've had some issues so far this season. The Bengals' defense has been solid. We saw them kind of hold the Ravens in check last night. So I think a nice streaming option here. Then we have the Commanders on Thursday Night Football, owned in only 20.1% of leagues, going up against the Bears. Basically, we're just kind of fading the Bears' offense here. The Bears' offense has struggled. They've been kind of a key where whoever's playing the Bears, you want to throw their defense in. So that's why we're rolling with the Commanders. Then we have the Browns owned in 26.3% of leagues going up against the Patriots. Patriots had a really solid game against the Lions, solid offensively, solid defensively. I still don't trust that lineup, especially without Mac Jones. Maybe he plays, but he's probably still going to be a little bit banged up. Overall, I think it's a decent play, especially if the injuries at the quarterback position continue. Then for the final streamer, we have the Colts going up against the Jaguars. The Colts are owned in 45.2% of leagues. First few weeks, it looked like the Jaguars were legit, solid offense, really, really struggled over the last two weeks, so not exactly sure what to make of this. Colts have a solid defense. Jaguars have been scuffling. I think they're a really solid stream, probably one of the best ones that I've given, to be honest. It's not really a ranking here, but they should probably be one of the uh, teams you're really looking out for if they are available, but that is going to wrap it up for my waiver wire targets. Let me know what you guys think down below if you have any questions. Like maybe you're considering picking up a certain player. Do I drop this guy? You can drop those down below. I'll be getting back to every single person. Just do me a favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. As always, thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.